right, welcome to another edition of the Cut Pro Wrestling Podcast. I'm your host, Randy Zelia, conspicuous by his absence, but not too conspicuous is Emerito Rivera. He is off this week, and this week, Ring of Honor star Mike Bennett joins the show to discuss a host of topics, including his run in WWE, his, his run in Impact Wrestling, his first and second stint now of Ring of Honor, and growing up a wrestling fan. We discuss who he who he grew up watching, uh, who he idolized, what his experiences were, and the telling line and the underlining theme of this interview is the comment he made about being a sports entertainer compared to being a pro wrestler. I promise you will like the show. This is one of our better interviews. Uh, very sorry that M was not available. He had a lot of different projects he's been involved with. He will be back next episode. I promise. I hope I do an okay job filling him, filling in without him here. You can follow the Cut Pro Wrestling Podcast on all your social media platforms, including Instagram, the Cut PW Podcast, Twitter, the Cut Wrestling BSP, and Facebook, the Cut Pro Wrestling Podcast. And of course, subscribe to us on YouTube and Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, Spotify, iHeartRadio Podcast Network. We are everywhere. But I think you are tired of hearing from me. Let us now hear from Mike Bennett. All right, back here on the Cut Pro Wrestling Podcast, uh, Randy Zelia, conspicuous by his absence, Emerino Rivera. He is on assignment this week, taking care of uh, some business. But joining me right now, Ring of Honor superstar Mike Bennett. And Mike, I almost want to not say superstar anymore. I want to go back to what's supposed to be Ring of Honor pro wrestler. Let's say it together, pro wrestler. Oh, that has such a better tone to it, such a better – it just brings me happiness when I hear pro wrestler. Well, you know – you, you've you've certainly um, had your share of, uh, of adjustment going back to pro wrestler over the last uh, year and a half, you know, going back to ring of honor where you had a, a quite a bit of success and, you know, but you're, you, uh, you, you seem a lot happier right now. Yeah, I am. It's uh it's one of those things where, um, you know, you chase a dream for so long and then you have tunnel vision about getting to that dream, getting to that dream. And for me, it was always WWE or bust. That's what I dreamed of. That's what I wanted to do. And I was fortunate enough that along that journey, I uh, I worked for Ring of Honor. I worked for New Japan. I worked for Impact. And along that journey, I discovered that the dream that I wanted wasn't what I thought I wanted. It was something entirely different. I wanted to be a pro wrestler. I want. I thought I wanted to be a sports entertainer. I did it and then went. Mm, no, this isn't for me. I like the sport of pro wrestling. Well, before we jump into the sport of pro wrestling, let's go give some people a little bit of background. If they don't know your full story, you grew up in Massachusetts. When did you really fall in love with the sport of professional wrestling? So I, um, I was always a fan. Um, and then I kind of fell out of love with wrestling, like around seven or eight years old. Like I was a Hulkamaniac, did all that crazy stuff, kind of fell out of love with it. And then around the attitude error, all my friends were watching and so I had to tune in. So I tuned in and I fell in love with like Stone Cold and DX and Kane and Undertaker. Um, 
But then my dad actually took me to see uh, Monday Night Raw taping in Worcester, Massachusetts. And I was there when Mick Foley won the world title for the first time. Oh, you were in the building for that? Oh, my Lord. I was there. I was like six rows back. I fell. And from that point on, I was like, I'm going to be a pro wrestler. I'm absolutely going to be one. Told my dad. And I've never looked back ever since. I think I was 12 at the time. Never looked back ever since. How, well, how did you... Uh go into your training like how did you approach a wrestling school did you like you know go we had somebody on who said they looked at pwi and they made a phone call and they spoke with them i think that was rory fox rory said he he found less less stature school and he got on the phone with them and he got the information how did you find your wrestling school so i went on and did like uh some sort of a search engine i mean it was like 2000 at the time 2001 when i started training so i was looking on online but it's not like what, what we have now where you can find yeah. mass amounts of things you know you had to be somewhat savvy but still understand and like so i was just looking up wrestling schools nonstop and in my area because i wasn't going to travel outside of massachusetts i was only 15 so i found a school that was willing to take me if my parents you know signed away saying I was allowed to. Um, and I found a school in New Bedford, Massachusetts. It's called Yankee Pro Wrestling. It's now Top Row Pro Wrestling uh, or Top Row Promotion. Sorry. Um, and they started training me a little. But along that journey, uh, I wasn't even, I think, a year in training with them. Um, I met Bob Evans and he had a school. And so uh, I started training with Bob Evans. And that's when my training really started taking off. Bob started introducing me to the right people, started teaching me the right way. And so it, it was really Bob Evans who kind of gave me that kickstart in my career. And we're not talking about Bob Evans, the guy who owns the restaurants. We're talking about Bob, Bob Evans, Evans restaurants. The restaurants. No, brutal Bob Evans, the professional wrestler. Okay. Gotcha. Okay, cool. Well, just, well, what I just wanted to make sure we we're on, yeah. on the same page. Uh, and what what were some of the what are some of the things that he said to you that really stuck with you as far as you know, advice or uh, just the, the approach that he gave you? You know, so for the first, I don't want to say it was a year because it wasn't even a year, but for, for the sake of the story, it's the first year of my um, training at Yankee Pro. I was learning the stuff. I was learning how to to, to, to bump. I was learning how to hit the ropes, all that stuff. Um, I was learning different moves, but I wasn't learning why to do everything. I wasn't learning the story of a match. I wasn't learning the psychology of a match. I wasn't learning how to get the fans to interact the most with you during a match. Bob kind of took my raw ability, if you will. And he showed me what you do to, to really draw the fans in, why you do this, why you do that. Like kind of like the ABCs of professional wrestling is what Bob really taught me. What was it like for you when you, uh, walked into the ring for the first time just for the training was it what you expected it to be you know it's um i don't know who said this um so i don't want to get it wrong but i i think it was booker t so i want to give him credit for it he said when he stepped foot in the ring it was a place that he had never been but he felt like he had always been and that's exactly how i felt when i first stepped in the ring i had never been there but it felt like home to me it had felt like yep this is where you want to be. Um, and I picked it up pretty quickly. I picked up how to bump. I picked up how to run the ropes. You know, um, I, I, I picked it up pretty quickly. And I'd be lying if I didn't tell you that I was kind of watching Tough Enough at home and then taking bumps in my backyard on a ca cardboard box the way they were teaching <laughs> on Tough Enough. So maybe I had like a leg up in the game. Um, but uh, yeah, it, it just it always felt like home to me stepping in a ring. What memories do you have from your first match? Do you remember how nervous you were? Do you remember on how confident you were? Basically, so take us back to that mind frame you had during your first match. Funny story about my first match. <laughs> I don't remember most of it because I was... <laughs> 
completely unconscious. I was knocked out. The guy I was wrestling picked me up for a power bomb. I didn't know how to take it. I got halfway up and he dropped me right on my head. And I was, I, uh, I, I finished the match somehow, but um, I don't remember it at all. I have little, little tiny, like portions of it that I have memories of, but it's all like this entire dream sequence. The, the only time I remember after that is waking up or I was conscious, but I came to in a hospital because my dad took me to my first show. And then when I got into the car for him to drive me home, I was speaking gibberish, asking him if it was Christmas, what year it was, blah, blah, blah. So he was like, yeah, we better take you to the hospital. So that's my first recollection was waking up in the hospital being like, what happened? No <laughs> recollection of that match whatsoever. How old were you at that point? Uh, I think I was, I was either 16 or 17. Wow. That's such a young age to start training for pro wrestling i always thought that it had to be an 18 to 19 year old uh age limit on that so i guess i guess back then it wasn't that way like again i'm i'm so uneducated on that part of it so you know you know it really it really just depends on what school you go to there are a lot of schools that say 18 plus no ifs ands or buts there are some schools that'll say 16 but you have to have adult supervision the adult has to sign a waiver um you know, back when I was doing it too, wrestling wasn't as like, I mean, the world wasn't as connected as it is now. So you could go and you could do, I could be 15 and sign a waiver and you think you're doing whatever. And, you know, you don't really know what's going on. And that's kind of like what I did. Um, but I made a deal with my parents. My parents had to drive me back and forth to New Bedford, which was like 45 minutes from where I lived. Um, and cause I didn't have a car and I didn't drive. I was still getting my learner's permit, trying to get my license. So my parents drove me, God bless them. They're, they are the greatest parents in the world. Um, but I had a deal with them. They said, we're going to drive you to training. We're going to support this, but you need to promise us you'll further your education while you pursue this. And I let, I said, sure. I held my end of the bargain. They held theirs. I went and I got my associate's degree in criminal justice. And they said, you lived up to your end of the bargain. Thank you. So I, I owe so much to my parents. They, they did so much for me. Wow. So basic, wow, criminal justice. You don't see many criminal justice uh, majors going into professional wrestling. You know? <laughs> <laughs> it was one of those things. My dad's a lawyer. Um, I've always been around the law my entire life. So I, I've, I have a fascination for it. I have a fascination for the Constitution, for law, for all this stuff because of my dad. So it was kind of like an easy transition where I was like, well, I already enjoy this. So I'm just going to kind of take something I enjoy and study it. Wow, that's that to me is absolutely amazing. Um, transition back into wrestling a little bit. Uh, what was it like for you to win your first championship? Yes, independent scene, but you know, so people, some people look down at that, but it's, it, I guess they always say when you win your first championship, it's real. Yeah, it's one of those things where it's kind of like you solidify yourself, where it's like, I'm here and I'm doing this. I don't think I ever won my first championship and was like, oh, this is a great moment because I've wanted this championship. Uh, for, you know, alphabet soup promotion at the time, you know, X, Y, Z or whatever. But it was one of those moments where I was like, oh, okay. I, I solidified myself. I'm doing this. This is real. I'm going forward with this. And I know that because there's also other people that aren't just me that clearly believe in me. If that makes sense. Like there's a promoter that believes in me. There's wrestlers here that believes in me, maybe some fans. So it was more of like a commitment where you're like, okay, I'm in this, I'm doing this and I'm going to go full steam with this. In your mind, when you like you just for that moment, knowing that there's a promoter that has confidence in you like that, does it validate the work that you put in? 
Yeah, I think so. I think for me, though, I'm a, I'm one of those people that I'm never satisfied. I hate it about me, but I constantly like even when things are going good, Maria will look at me and be like, can't you just be happy in this moment? And I'm like, I'm trying, I'm trying, but I really want to do this next. And she's like, yeah, but you just achieved what you really wanted to do the time before. So just sit in it and let it be happy. Um, it, it's one of those things where I feel like a lot of wrestlers are like that. A lot of entertainers, a lot of people that are just driven are like that. It's like, I got what I wanted. Now what's next? What can I do next? It's kind of, we're kind of sick in that way. Well, let's talk about Ring of Honor. Getting that first opportunity to be in a, in a main stage promotion. Ring of Honor has, I, I don't think Ring of Honor gets the love for producing the amount of mainstream talent that it has. You know, you had CM Punk, you had Samoa Joe, AJ Styles, you know, Seth Rollins has been there, all Cesaro, all these guys have been there. It's it's a great promotion, which has a lot of equity, which a lot of people don't seem to give the credit to. Yeah, it's one of those companies that, and I I fully support this, and I say this completely honestly, and I will back this up to the day I die. It's professional wrestling is the way it is right now because of Ring of Honor. Ring of Honor completely changed the game from 2002 on. It has produced stars. It has produced um, not only stars, but it, it has changed the way we view wrestling. It has changed the style of wrestling. It has changed what pro wrestling is. If you look at any company, AEW, New Japan, WWE, it is all completely littered with Ring of Honor guys, Ring of Honor alum, people that have come through that system. It's just it is the staple. I, I had the privilege of seeing uh, Carrie Silken at WrestleCon a couple weeks ago, who who was the the owner of Ring of Honor before Sinclair took over. And like I gave him a big hug because he is the reason I'm here. He's the reason so many guys' careers have done what they've done. Ring of Honor has kind of set the groundwork for what is going to be popular and what's going to be trendy in uh, professional wrestling. Do you have up until that point, did you have a favorite match or uh, favorite moment in the ring up until that point? Because you, you had been around a little bit before you made it over to Ring of Honor. You were over uh, uh, top row promotions from 2006 to 2014, New England Championship Wrestling uh, for two different states, 2003 to 2005 and 2009 to 2010. Um, is there any up until that point, any things that was almost like if you wanted to know what I can do, this is what I can do? You know, um, there was a there was a good amount, but I ended up I had this kind of long running feud with Spike Dudley at Top Rope Promotions. He was kind of uh, he was becoming the trainer there. And I had just moved back from um, training at OVW uh, and they kind of put me and him together. And we just constantly had this chemistry in these matches. Now, a lot of them were hardcore matches. A lot of them were ladder matches, table matches, but it toughened me up. And it brought something out of me that had never been brought out of me. There was a lot of blood. There was a lot of violence. But it was one of those things where at that moment in my career, I needed that. I needed to solidify myself as like, no, you're not just this uh, indie wrestler. You're, you're, this, you're this staple. You're this guy uh, that can do every style of wrestling. Uh, and it was really important to, me to have a guy who had a name like Spike Dudley kind of put his blessing on me and give me these matches and allow me to work with him and, and, and kind of trust me in that situation um, really meant a lot to me. And it was one of those things, there was so much emotion to it that I would 100% tell people, go watch that at that moment. That was Mike Bennett. Also, Rod, you just said before about hardcore matches and OVW. Can you explain, none of us have ever really been in a hardcore match. You have, what 
is the mind frame, the thinking, and the I guess the planning on how, like you you don't sit there saying, okay, well, I'm going to put you through a table here, and then I'm going to take a cookie sheet and hit you with this here. Can you talk about going into planning that out? What what is like? I'm I know I'm getting very detail oriented, and I'm sorry about that, but it's just I, I I'm just trying to wrap my head around it. That's all. Yeah, you know it's a hardcore match or like a street fight or any kind of those matches, they're kind of a different beast. You have stuff that you plan out. You have stuff that you think about, but so much of it is emotion. And it's hard to tell someone in the back, like, Oh, I'm going to drop you on these thumbtacks and for them to just accept it and be like, yeah, that's a cool idea. There's so much that we do where the adrenaline's pumping out there that we just go, Hey, let's do this while we're in the moment because Chances are we wouldn't do it if we weren't. Um, <laughs> it's one of those things where it's kind of a mix of both. Some of the best matches I've had when they're street fights, a lot of the craziest stuff we've done, we've kind of called on the fly because we're already beaten. We're already got the crap kicked out of us. And we've gotten to the point where we're like, well, we might as well go, go big or go home at this point. The adrenaline's pumping. We're ready to do it. So it's really like a mix of like piecing it all together and then kind of feeling the emotion while you're out there. What about your time at Impact? Can you talk about uh, how you how you felt uh, going that that at the time you were there? The company was in a little bit of a transition, sort of going through the, the Dixie phase, going into the Anthem phase. What was that like at that time? You know, as far as like everyone always has their talks about Impact at that time because of the ma- the management, and I get it. I've been outspoken about the management at that point with with money and stuff like that. But at its core everyone really cared about the product we were putting on from talent to management, to John Gaborik, to uh, uh, David Lagana, to Billy Corgan. Everyone really cared about what we were putting out there. And I think the biggest part was the talent. The talent all felt like we had something special. So regardless of what was going on monetarily or what was going on in management or all the crap that you were hearing online, you always heard like, oh, morale is really down in impact. It was never really down. We all rallied behind each other. We all rallied behind Drew McIntyre. We all rallied behind Bobby Lashley. We all rallied behind EC3 and myself and, and the Hardy Boys and, 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 and just Eli Drake and all these people. We knew we had something special. So we rallied behind each other because we wanted to get that product out. So I have extremely fond memories. I could have done without the BS of the, the, mon- the money and the political game and all that crap that I hate about this industry. But at the end of the day, that locker room is hands down one of the best. And it's funny too, you were lucky enough to have your 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 love your bride with you, your lovely bride Maria. And um, you guys uh, got together when you guys were ringing on Ring of Honor and you guys have really uh you know came into like a, a great tandem. How important is she as far as the presentation? You know um that she's very important. But what we're doing now, we've kind of made this decision where, okay, she joined me in 2011. We've kind of given it almost 10 years of this, of the Mike, Maria, uh, together kind of presentation. Now we're trying to see what we can do on our own. What can Mike Bennett do on his own? I know what Maria Canellas can do on her own. She's incredibly talented. And plus, she's starting to slowly transition into this, uh, this backstage role of taking over the women of uh, the women's division in ring of honor um, and really focusing on that because in her head, she's like, 
there will be a time where I, I will come on the screen and I will be needed on the screen. But in her head, she really is just focused on helping out the younger talent, the younger girls get to achieve what they want to achieve. And she knows that what's best for me right now is to go and wrestle and just be Mike Bennett, the wrestler, not Mike Bennett and Maria, the act. So that's kind of where we're at. Before, it was pivotal. We were Team Sexy. We were Mike and Maria. We were doing everything. And that is like, I hold those memories so fondly. But there will be a time where we come back together, obviously. We're married. We see each other every single day of our lives. Um, but as far as a presentation on camera, we're kind of taking it in two two separate directions it'll always be there everyone will always know that when there's maria there's mike when there's mike there's maria but as far as what we're doing now it's kind of kind of different i know i i know we joked around when we first started the interview about superstar and pro wrestling you can't not talk about your wwe stand yeah. um what were some of the positives that you took away from being with the wwe uh, you know, again, the locker room, the guys there that I met, some of the people <laughs> are close to the world. Um, I got to travel all the time. Imagine, I wrestled in Saudi Arabia. Like, I never thought that would be the thing. Um, I got to do a European tour for WrestleMania. I got to accomplish these things. But for me, the biggest thing was, and again, this is going to sound like a slight at WWE, and I know there are going to be some fans that take it that way, but it's not. Getting to WWE taught me what I didn't want in this industry. It taught me that, okay, this company is for some people. It's not for me. I want to be a pro wrestler. I want to focus on the sport of pro wrestling. I want to actually wrestle when I can. I want to have 15, 20, 30 minute matches. I'm not looking to be a television superstar. I want to be Mike Bennett, the pro wrestler, because at the end of the day, that's why I got into the industry. And you were, you know, you, you were lucky, you know, a lot of people are lucky enough to, to make that stage. And you're, you were lucky enough to make that realization of this. Is this something that you thought you wanted your whole entire life? And then when you got it, you're like, maybe this is not uh, as great as as ever. You know, I've heard a lot of professional wrestlers who say, oh, no, we, are, we just got released from WWE. And then they realize that they can control the schedule, control a little bit more. How important was that now being a dad that you have that downtime? Yeah, you know, so it was kind of like it was one of those catch 22s because we got fired in the middle of a pandemic, which as a dad is terrifying because you're now unemployed. And it wasn't just me. It was my wife. So now as a family, you're unemployed. And your first thought is I have to provide. I have to provide for my children no matter what. Money's not coming in anymore. What do I have to do? Um, but. As you start to get away from that and get away from that scariness of it, you start to learn like, oh, OK. I still know what I'm doing. I had a career before this. I will have a career after this. I'm going to be just fine. And then you start to get excited when you start going to shows and you go to Ring of Honor and you have matches and your first thought is, okay, well, I got to make sure we don't do this, this, and this because so-and-so said we can't do this, this, and this. And it's written. So we, and you go, wait, no, you can have creative freedom. Wait, so you mean if I do this move, I'm not going to get yelled at the minute I walk through gorilla position? Oh, my God. And the whole world just starts to open up and you start to get very excited about it. Um, so for me, if I didn't have kids getting fired, probably I probably would have been like, yippee, I'm so excited. Originally, I was like, oh, God, I'm terrified. But then as you start to progress and you start to come out of that fog and that haze, you go, this is kind of awesome. I love this. And now back to Ring of Honor, can you talk about um one, like you said, being let go in the middle of the pandemic. So performing in front of no crowd, 
and you know what changes your mindset and also talk about the mindset of the ring of honor locker room during this tough time you know it's it's one of those things where at, at the very first start of it you're kind of like this is weird. There's no crowd, but then you start to kind of maneuver and navigate your way through these matches and you learn like, okay, this is how I have to have this match. And this is how I have to do this. And if I just do this, I can keep the match interesting this way. And I shouldn't do this because then it'll be too quiet and it'll come across as awkward. So you start to really navigate like pro wrestlers do in front of a crowd. You navigate with what works and what doesn't work. Um, and I just feel like even in the locker room, the guys are there's a lot of guys that are just so happy to be working right now. And there's like so many people are out of jobs and so many people aren't working. And for me, I know I'm like, I'll wrestle in front of nobody if it means I have consistent work coming in. I don't care. I think I'm talented enough to put on a good match in front of 20,000 people or put it in front of nobody. So I think it's just one of those things where you just kind of you adapt because you have to adapt. And the, and the talent that you guys have in that locker room you know we had pco on a couple of uh, months ago and he he his you know he just said everyone just goes balls to the wall and and it's and it's like he's, he, he said you find a better organization who's giving you better action than ring of honor you're not gonna find one you can't it's one of those things where it's like I love Ring of Honor because it goes back to the sport of pro wrestling, and that's what we're focused on. It's hard hitting, it's high flying, it's map based, it's 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 violence based, it's technical based, it's everything. But it, at the end of the day, it always brings you back to Ring of Honor. And PCO is correct when we have these tapings when we're in the bubble. People go all out. They go balls to the wall. Nobody pulls punches. Nobody does anything. Everyone does it like there's twenty thousand people there, and it's just it's it's inspiring. What would be you say was the most enjoyable, not successful, but the most enjoyable time of your career? You know, it's there's so many times that it's hard to just like pinpoint one. So many things shaped and molded me. So many times I've been with my friends. I got to travel the world. But that first run in Ring of Honor is hard to beat, man. When I was there the first time and you had guys like El Generico, Kevin Steen, the Briscoes, the Young Bucks, AJ Styles, the Bullet Club me and Taven as the kingdom, Adam Cole, Kyle O'Reilly, Bobby Fish, like the list of guys that just goes on and on. And we were the up and comers being like, no, we're about to take over this industry. Looking back at that time now, and not only that, but all of us got to go and do Japan together. And like, it's just one of those moments where I look back and I'm like, that's going to be a time in pro wrestling. A lot of people talk about. And it's funny, you just mentioned Japan. Can you describe the difference of audiences compared to being an American crowd compared to a Japanese crowd from a wrestler perspective? You know, it's one of those things where the the American crowd, they like their mix of entertainment. Like they like their mix of haha, hokiness, gaga. They like some entertainment aspect to it. Japanese crowd, again, very sport-based. They like their wrestling very sport based. And so it's like they they clap out of respect. You don't get like the chance that you might. I mean, there's still chance for the guys and their names, but you're not going to get like the 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 asshole chant. You're not going to, you know, like that you'll get it at WWE. You're not going to get the what chant. You get very much like respect for everything you do. You run a spot, you settle down, the crowd claps for you. As the match starts to go, they might cheer for one guy, might cheer for the other guy then they'll settle down. Um, they just react entirely different. Last couple questions for you. Uh, if I had to sit, ask you going back to the beginning of your career and who you looked up to as a kid and your favorite match you watched as a fan growing up, what do you think that would be? 
Oh man, that's, that's a tough one. Um, when I was a kid growing up, anything stone cold was in, I loved, um, but again, one of the craziest matches I ever watched was watching Mick Foley and the Undertaker in Hell in a Cell and seeing Taker throw him off the cell. That made me fall in love with Mick Foley. Um, and as a kid, your love, your your taste in wrestling is totally different than when you're actually in the industry. So, like for me, it was always that chaos, that mass amounts of chaos. I love seeing Stone Cold get in there and just beat the living crap out of like ten guys, stun them all, and then just leave. Like that's what I loved when I was growing up. Now, as I got older, I fell in love with watching like Edge have matches and Christian have matches and Shawn Michaels versus the Undertaker, like real technical, real quality wrestling stuff. Um, but like, but I still love the carnage. The carnage is still so much fun to me. Did you realize uh, up, until, up until recently with, you know, WWE Network going to Peacock and uh, Impact having their own streaming network and Ring of Honor having a way to stream all their content? Did you realize that pretty a lot of your career is available at a fingertip? Not until you said it right now, which is really <laughs> cool to me. It's cool that I get to think my kids get to watch me whenever they want if they want. Um, but no, I didn't really think about that, but that's pretty awesome to think about that. Like at a click of a finger, you can be like, here's daddy when he was 25. Here's daddy when he was 32. You know, he was cool at one point. <laughs> yeah. I, I just figured I, uh, I figured I'd bring that up to you just to see, because I, I, I really thought about it the other day or yesterday we had a, a couple different interviews and I mentioned that to one or two of the guys and they're just like, wow. And one of them was like, I was like, wow, I'm old. If I was an old, <laughs> yeah, no. I think it's cool. I love it. Uh, real quick, let's let everybody know where they can find you on social media. Yeah, please uh, follow me on Twitter at Real Mike Bennett. Um, and then follow me on Instagram. I think it's at The Real Michael Bennett. Um, and then uh, I just put out a documentary on YouTube. Check it out. Uh, it's on the AS, ASY TV, Side TV, uh, YouTube. You can, you can find it. The links are all over my Twitter. Um, and then follow Ring of Honor. Please watch Ring of Honor whenever you can. Check your Sinclair networks. It's always going to be up on Fight TV or on ROHWrestling.com if you're an Honor Club member. So please watch Ring of Honor. I promise you, if you're sick of the wrestling you're watching now, you will absolutely love this. Well, thank you, Mike Better, for joining the cut. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. All right, so that was Mike Bennett. Great interview, great guy. He is one of the, probably one of the best speakers I've spoken with, and he really gets the wrestling industry. Again, he feels that pro he wants to be a pro wrestler, not a sports entertainer, and he was just awesome. And I really enjoyed the parts of the conversation where he talked about some of the struggles he had, and you know how he sort of regretted about going to Ring of Honor, and how Ring of Honor was the breeding ground for guys like Adam Cole, Seth Rollins, Cesaro. Daniel Bryan, all those guys who are stars all came from the Ring of Honor. And so he is just very proud of being a part of that platform. And I also enjoyed that question about if you realize that he was involved in every major platform now as far as Ring of Honor streaming, you know, Impact Wrestling streaming, WWE Network, all of his work is there. So if you're not familiar as much with Mike Bennett outside of WWE, Go check out his work now on all those streaming networks. Hey, guys, guess what? You can follow the Cut Pro Wrestling Podcast on social media. Instagram, the Cut PW Podcast. Twitter, Cut Wrestling BSP. And Facebook, the Cut Pro Wrestling Podcast. So check it out. I promise you, you'll like it. Also, we are on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and iHeart 
Radio Podcast Network. Until then, I'm Randy Zellia. We will see you next week on the Cut Pro Wrestling Podcast.